Hi guys, here we are today with Anthony Rose, founder and CEO at Seed Legals. Anthony, good to have you with us. How are you? Hello, brilliant and delighted to be here. Well, great to have you here. And uh, I, I have to say that um, I wish I'd have heard of Seed Legals when I started my very, very first startup. Um, as, as a founder who has spent easily five figures um, in the last few years, like on legal fees, if not more. Um, had we had we heard of C-Legals much earlier, it would have been something that saved us not just a lot of money, but a lot of like pain um, and a lot of time. So jumping into it, you know, C-Legals um, is obviously a revolutionary move um, in the legal space, really helping um, startup companies where has this where what's the genesis of this company and what why did you initially start it all right great question i'll get to the uh you know where have you been all my life see legals yeah. in a moment so you know way back in 2007 to 2011 i used to head up bbc iplayer uh, before that i used to be with kazar the music file sharing company so with kazar disrupting music space with bbc and my startup after that really disrupting TV broadcast, although you know the BBC was almost disrupting itself there. And then after the BBC, I decided time for a startup again, built a startup, sold it, built a startup, sold it, invested in a few, got tired of paying lawyers, thought no more about it, and then met my co-founder, Laurent Lafie, genius ex-VC and uh, serial uh, angel investor at a party and uh, you know he was saying those lawyers they charge a fortune they make mistakes they take forever we should change that and we got together in 2016 and, and built seed legals we're now uh, 170 people and about one in six of all early stage funding rounds in the uk is now on our platform and the number one funding rounds and option schemes are clearly doing something right and you know way back you know what most founders uh, probably only realize later on is the founder actually is the the first salesperson and the first marketing person in the business. And I remember sitting on a beanbag in the corridor outside our small office in uh, Southwark because I didn't want to disturb the team on calls with customers. And, uh, you know, I realized we were onto something when people went, this is amazing. Where have you been all my life? And uh, so that's the, the, the thing to focus on. So that's the background on um, Seed Legals and our mission uh started off by doing you know legal documents for your company but actually realized that nobody gets up in the morning going i want a, a legal document they get up in the morning going i need to do fundraising i can't find investors i need to incentivize my team so how do you create solutions to that problem and rather interestingly i like to tell our team you know what would a law firm do let's do completely the opposite so a law firm the product is legal documents but on seed legals the idea is you get blog posts you get videos you get events you get articles you get data to show you what to do you get a workflow that teaches you everything oh and by the way you also get legal documents but actually what people really want to know is you know what's what should my company valuation i can't find all the investment can i raise before around or can i top up afterwards or how do i get investors with seis and so on so actually the, what's interesting is the problem space is actually much wider than the problem space that your incumbents are, are looking to solve and actually not being a lawyer 
uh, is one of the fun bits because I get to think creatively and we get to think creatively of what's the real problems that people are looking to solve and what are the things that are the solutions, which actually could start with a meet investors event, getting on the platform, using a pitch product, and oh, by the way, completing a round. And sorry for the enormous diversion no, on, on your question, not, but you can no, see I'm quite passionate about what we do. No, no, look, I mean, I, I have to say that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to speak to quite, quite a few of your colleagues. Um, they will speak very highly of what you guys are building at Seed Legals. Um, it appears that your passion is infectious because they seem to be uh, feeling this, the same thing for sea legals. And, and I think that actually, you're, you know, what you're building is actually very important for anyone that is looking to build their own startup business. And, you know, as someone who has um, been victim to, you know, those 70 pound, 80 pound charges for like one call from a lawyer, um, where they call you, by the way, Right. Um, you know, something like Seed Legal is something whereby it, it enables startups to simplify what it is they're doing, understand actually what is important to them. The EIS schemes, the SEIS schemes. Do I need, you know, do I need a shareholders agreement? If I need a shareholders agreement, at what stage do I need it? So, you know, I, I, I think it's actually something very important. And in terms of the trajectory with Seed Legals, um, it seems to be all encompassing in terms of your of your company culture. What what is it that you guys are really? What's the end goal for you? I think our goal is to be the operating system of your business. So, you know, for all things legal related, talent, employment, and fundraising. So, you know, what I what I really uh, love, and it's not the sales pitch, is that, you know, as a founder, you know, prior to seat legals or people in other countries, you want to do some fairly simple thing. And actually, it's quite a palaver to do it. And wouldn't it be amazing if there's just a platform you can log in on a rainy Sunday afternoon and go, I've got someone who wants to give me some money, platform, make whatever is needed so I can get their money. And, and uh, I'm, a, of course, we run our own business on Seed Legals. And every time I want to hire somebody, it takes me like three minutes on the platform to take a, you know, clone our standard employment terms, create an employment agreement. And then I can see who's starting, who has started. I log on twice a day to see, do I need to buy computers for this person? When do they uh, about to start? What's my monthly uh, plan and so on? And actually the legal documents are just part of it. So it's, it's transforming a problem space into you know from papers to platform and of course we're not alone in doing that and that's repeated throughout the industry with insurance property whatever and uh, and i'm always intrigued that the incumbents uh, think about the problem spaces you know uh, it's better legals or whatever and i'm not talking about seed legals in general but but new players in the space are redefining the problem and if you're watching this and thinking about you know, uh, using technology and platform and people to uh, own some new space, you'd want to think creatively about what's the real problem that people are looking to solve. And, and actually, that may be a lot very different to what the incumbents are thinking, you know, real time chat with five minute response times and, you know, zero cost for talking to somebody actually might be the most important thing that people value and the platform is yeah it's cool but 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 this is valuable and and look at how you may transform you know prop tech and sure tech or any number of things where your current provider is painful and, and i mean in in terms of in terms of investment how does that work so again i think 
last check, it was something between 15 and 20% of all of our users, they're all, I think, right now it's about 99.4% of our entire community are software engineers or, or developers. That's how they uh, right. themselves. A, a big part of them are actually blockchain developers. Um, they all plan, or sorry, uh, I think about 15% rather, 15% of them plan to build their own fintech or tech company within the next two years. How should they go about really implementing? When should they start thinking about using a company like Seed Legals? How could Seed Legals actually help them in terms of the fundraising? Because I think as you as you hit on, as this market progresses, it's only becoming more and more complex for startups to raise capital um, and really become revenue generating. All right, so fantastic. So if you'll indulge me for a few minutes, let's go right oh, back to the beginning. So if you're, uh, if, if the uh, you know audience watching this are predominantly software developers, let's start right at the beginning, which is I think that for to, for to have a successful business, you need three roles. You need the domain expert, the street hustler, the person who's passionate for the audience. This could be the doctor, my mother, dialysis machine, whatever. Then the second role is the person who can build it, which usually aligns with the CTO or tech lead or product person. And the third role is the Mr. or Ms. Money, the person who can uh, get investment and make it a viable business that's often uh, aligns with a CFO or COO role. So what you want to do is you want to look within and find co-founders that complement your skills. So I'm a tech person by background. I used to design and have my own business at home building hardware. And then I got a CTO role and now CEO. So think about the things uh, that you do well and the things where you need to find uh, com complementary co-founders. And then uh, the data shows that about 10% of the time, co-founders fall out with each other. Uh, the median number of co-founders is two, uh, sometimes there's one, sometimes three. If it's more than three, it usually falls apart. If it's two, it usually gets funding a little faster than one or three. Uh, and investors are usually looking for two. It doesn't mean it has to be two, but often there's just more work than you can do yourself. And you may not be the perfect person for all of these. And so if you're a tech person watching this, you might think about which of these roles are you. You might be the hustler. You're definitely the, the deliverer. Find a co-founder. And then thing one, get on seed legals and do co-founder agreements. Or rather, thing one is when it moves from a hobby to something you actually want to spend your next few years on, then go incorporate your company on company's house. Good news, it costs 12 pounds. Uh, super easy, takes 30 minutes. Uh, make 100 ordinary shares split between the co-founders and then go off and get on Seed Legals, create your company, it's free, and create founder agreements with share vesting so that if you split up later, uh, the person leaving gives back some of their shares. Sorry about that. Let right. me uh, just restart from uh, right. a moment before. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so, so you'll get on Seed Legals and create co-found agreements with share vesting, IP assignment, and non-solicitation. So if things don't work out, 
your co-founder doesn't end up still owning half of the company and steals your idea and 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 resources and so on and and that's the next thing to do and now you're going to want to go out and you know, create a great pitch deck. And uh, then you want to go and find investors and you need to think about the company valuation. And if you head over to the resources section on C Legals, you'll see data and articles on all of that. So our goal is to help on all of these things way before even getting to find investment. How do people find investment? Like, and, and I, I think that's the most challenging thing. I've kind of given up, like in terms of like us trying to raise capital, um, yeah, we've got a phenomenal team. We've got a phenomenal product. We've got the right proof of concept. We've got traction. We've got sales. Um, it just feels like in terms of like the UK market, it's just really, really hard for startups um, to uh, get, get, any, get any real investment. In the US, in Dubai, it does seem a lot easier. Um, okay. And it feels like... Um, that that in itself is a real problem that, that needs solving in order for the UK and actually largely the European markets to remain competitive. All right. So I, I don't have an answer. It's the multi-million dollar question. But let me see if I can help. So here's the standard problem, which is you don't know any angel investors. An angel investor is a person with a bit of spare cash that would uh, often in the UK, the vast majority of early stage, less than 500K funding rounds is fueled by individuals, angel investors, getting their SEIS and EIS tax breaks. And for those not familiar with it, that means it's an HMRC or government scheme that if I invest, let's say 50,000 pounds in your business, I can write off, deduct from my tax for this year or the last tax year, half of that amount. So I deduct 25K from my tax bill. And if I keep the shares for three years and I sell them after that, I pay no capital gains tax. And if the company goes out of business, I can write off the rest of my investment. So it's hugely, uh, you know, de-risks the investment and often means if your company doesn't work out, you can still get to do Christmas dinner together because you can still be friends. So uh, you, what you want to do is you want to attract angel investors. But the problem is you don't know any individual investors. In a sense, everyone's an investor, but they don't have websites. So what you do is you do a bit of Googling, you find uh, VCs and funds, and then you go and write to them. And they get way more incomings than they can deal with. So VCs only do typically like 20 investments a year, but they may get thousands of, of requests. So if you're lucky enough to get a meeting with the VC and you are pre-revenue and often pre-launch in your product, it almost invariably ends with, you're awesome, love what you're doing, come back wow. later. Yeah. So the story of your life is you keep going to VCs and you get told, come back later. And so what you realize very quickly is you're completely wasting your time going to VCs until you've got revenue. And, and what you want to do is you want to reach out to angel investments, investors. And here's why. It's because with an angel investor, we're all angel investors in a sense, right? If you've got anything from a thousand pounds upwards and you can get it as a tax deduction and you find somebody doing something interesting, you might want to invest in it. Maybe you want to return on capital Maybe you want to change, the, save the planet. Maybe you just think they're wonderful. Maybe you want to be like the first in on some cool idea. Whatever it is, you might want to be in. So we'll get to how to make that easy in a moment. But the problem is, uh, 
uh, but but uh, individuals are making their own investment decisions based on you know maybe I like you I'm in, whereas a VC they get investment money from others called LPs limited partners. And they've got investment committees who have to decide how to spend the money and they become much more risk averse. And one way of doing that is they go, I have no idea whether your product or idea is ever going to work or not. So I'm just going to wait until you've got revenue, i.e. it's proven that it works and then I'll invest. And you go, that's very nice, but it doesn't help me at all because I need to get enough funding to get there. And the answer is don't waste your time going to VCs until you've got revenue and instead, go find angel investors. How do you find angel investors? Well, here's my um, suggestion. I can't say it's right. I have no idea if it's right. But the good news is it costs you zero other than some time to try. And you're going to get valuable feedback regardless. So here's what to do. Thing number one is get on Seedly. Well, first thing number one is create a great pitch deck. And a pitch deck is like a Hollywood drama. It's sell selling a story of your business. Don't show how clever you are, show the problem you're looking to solve. So pitch deck goes like this. I think there are like seven parts to it. Number one is what's the big problem you're solving? Number two, how are you solving it? Number three, a bit more info on how you're solving it. Because as a tech guy, you know, if I just see vaporware, we're going to solve X. It's like, dude, you need to show me more. The next step is what's the, uh, what's the market size? Uh, is it a small problem you're solving or is it a giant problem? Next slide is who are my competitors? And there I like to see a sort of a quadrant, which is maybe price and complexity yeah. or something that shows you're in the top right quadrants and everyone else is scattered around. That's why you're different. Next is traction. How are you doing so far? Is, is, is there no fire or is, is it on fire? And of course, if you've got revenue, show revenue growth. If you don't have revenue yet, show user growth. If you don't have users yet, show team growth or traction in, in engagement or prototypes or signed letters of engagement from partners, whatever it might be. Try to show some traction. Next thing is the five-year business plan, which is, you know, what do you reckon as your revenue year by year for the next five years? Now, every astute investor knows five-year business plan is BS because those are made-up numbers. But it's very useful for an investor to see if the founders are numerate and sensible and how ambitious they are. So if you show that well, after... That's one too ambitious, though. Right, exactly. So oh. firstly, firstly, if, if you go, my startup is, uh, you know, ride-sharing in Bristol. So, okay, that's nice, uh, you know, but it's not going to be a unicorn. So you would, uh, investors might call it a hobby business. This means it's great revenue for you. You're going to earn a salary. You're going to create a company that's awesome, but it's not investable. So if your five-year business plan shows a million pounds a year revenue in year five, great, but there's no reason to invest. The return on investment, it just isn't there. On the flip side, if you show a hundred million pounds a year revenue for your blockchain company, that is awesome but statistically incredibly unlikely. You would be a FTSE 500 company. You'd be growing faster than Twitter. In fact, it probably, I mean, if I you're right, if, if, if you're right, if you're right, that is amazing. Yeah. But actually it's highly likely that you just made up numbers and I'm not gonna trust anything else you made up or I'm really gonna kick the tires on it because I don't think it's credible. So you might say as a starting point, maybe 10 million pounds a year revenue after year five, 
you know, once you've got revenue, a company's uh, valuation is often a rule of thumb is maybe 10x annual revenue that went insane in the US last year to 100x and now it's back down again. I don't think in the UK it really changed much, but if you're doing 10 million pounds a year in revenue, that's a hundred million pound valuation. An investor investing now at a two million pounds is going to have amazing return on investment, even if there are a couple of other you know funding rounds that will dilute them in between. And as the founders, that would be a great exit. So, so five-year business plan. Then the next thing is the team, and the last slide on your deck is the ask. And I'm amazed that people often just miss that, which is you show all these things. And at the end, the investor goes, oh, that was very nice. Why are you talking to me? So the last slide is going to go looking to raise 300,000 pounds, whatever it might be, offering SEIS and EIS, have advanced assurance, you know, Bob at, you know, companyco.com or whatever it is. And my phone number, I'd love to hear more. So thing one is create a nice, pitch deck that solves a problem. And then my suggestion, this is just my suggestion, do the following. Hop on C Legals, create your pitch page, which is free. Upload your pitch deck, make a, a one minute video which shows the passion of the founders, the, the, the problem you're solving, because you know nobody reads pitch decks greatly. You want to engage someone, that's the video. Sure. So uh, link to your Vimeo video, which you can make private. And then show how much you're looking to fundraise, add your team members, mission, and others. Then the next thing is create a nice social media post. And your goal here is to be completely shameless on social media, telling everyone what you're up to and that you're looking to raise. So it goes as follows. And this is my suggestion, which is make a nice lifestyle picture. So you might have a you know, if, if your app is for, you know, somebody on the move, have a picture of somebody outside with a phone and then Photoshop on, you know, the UI of your app, something that looks enticing and not boring. And then make the post saying, hey, working on amazing new solution to X, you know, company name, uh, looking to raise, you know, uh, 300,000 pounds, have SAIS and EIS uh, link to your Seed Legal's pitch page. I'd love to tell you more. And then shamelessly share that on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are. Email everyone you know. Uh, don't be embarrassed about it because that's what you need to do as founders. You need to get out of your 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 inner comfort zone and and be the evangelist. And then what you'll find is some people will go, "That's awesome! Tell me more. I want to invest." Others will tell you who competitors are. You'll have partnership inquiries. You may have people wanting to work with you. So the more you spread the word, the more inbound interest you'll get. Some of it investment, some of it random, but it's all super important because it helps you validate that it's a good idea or not before you go and spend years of your life on it. And now lastly, when you do have people who come and go, yes, I would love to invest 5K, 20K, whatever it might be, Instead of come saying, uh, come back in the autumn for our funding round, you can go, wait, let me get on Seed Legals and create a seed fast agreement uh, to take your investment this evening. Stay tuned. And that, I think, is really how everything is transformed because you've got this always on platform that, you know, from this talk downstream is solutions to the problem that you want, which is evangelize. And when you've got interest, create a document that turns that interest into investment. And what is a seed fast? A seed fast is it's like a convertible note. It says, I will give you money now. 
we'll agree the valuation later because I don't know the valuation yet. And uh, and when you do your funding round, my uh, investment will convert at the valuation of that funding round, less a discount, 10 or 20%, because I'm coming in early and taking more risk. And by the way, if you don't do a funding round in the next six months, then it'll convert anyway at a valuation of let's say 2 million pounds. And the six month so-called long stop date is needed to make it SEIS or EIS compatible. And now with that tool that you've got in your uh, war chest, you can go off and find investors knowing that you can confidently uh, turn that investment into money and you don't even need to agree the valuation now and then use that money to build the product get some traction and now you can go out to a larger set of investors to do a funding round and agree a valuation and all those seed fast convert and get turned into shares in the funding round i have to say that was yeah that, that was a lot of a lot of uh, knowledge there in a very short space of time um very useful but, but, but you know every startup idea is different but it turns out in the uk funding rounds are remarkably self-similar and what my learning is if i can kind of productize and show people these are the steps you're statistically likely to want to do and make them easy and on demand. I think that is super helpful sure. uh, statistically to everyone. It, look, it, it's necessary. And, and I, I think that one thing, it'd be interesting to get your view on this, you know, like because we've never ever got funding ourselves, you know, I've always had the attitude of like, just never stop selling, never stop recruiting. And when I say recruiting, I mean, always looking for that next gem, looking for that next genius who's going to come in and actually like really drive your company forward but again the reality is, is that we know that makes it much harder for any company to scale um it, i mean it, it, in in terms of that i mean um, just uh, you obviously um you know funding is a huge part for any startup is it something whereby people should be investing a lot sorry founders should be investing a lot of their time but how how do you determine how much time you should be focusing on actually funding um, in the early stages of a startup? Great question. So we'll start at the beginning, which is, you know, like when should you actually raise investments? And the answer is, um, you, you know, our data on Seed Legal shows that founders spend a median of £26,000 of their own money on the business before their first funding round. And the reason is that nobody invests just on a PowerPoint. You have to build something. And now maybe if you're a a developer yourself you can skip paying others by doing that development yourself but either way you want to try and get as much uh, you know tangible as possible to reduce the believability gap from that's a cool idea but it will never work so you want to build something and now the time to fundraise is at the point that uh, the company is being rate limited in its growth by your ability to fund it yourself and you can uh, get achieve a valuation that is high enough because you've built enough yeah. that you can raise the amount you want without diluting more than 15% or thereabouts. And so since in order to do dilute 15%, that means your valuation, your so-called pre-money valuation is five times the amount you're looking to raise. So the formula goes something like this, which is, Okay, I get started my business. It's me and a co-founder. We're doing stuff in our own time. Costs us nothing. Great. Then you go, oh, I need to have a marketing person or a salesperson or a customer support person. So I'm going to hire that. And, and now you start getting to two or three thousand or five thousand pounds a month 
And pretty soon there's a bit of a discussion with your spouse to go, shit, where's all the money going? It's on some cool, crazy thing I'm doing. And at some point you go, I really need to stop doing that myself and raise investment. Because as my business partner reminds me, you can't own more than 100% of your own business. At some points, it stops making sense to fund it yourself because you're limiting its rate of, of growth. And that's when you go out to investors and you raise investment. And, uh, and then you can now hire more people and stop spending yourself. And at some point, when you do your funding round, in your round, you can set that your founder loan, the money you've put in so far, you can then repay uh, later on, yeah. a, you know, on a later funding round or when the company's profitable and so on. And that's actually what gives us our data on seed legals about the amount founders put into the business because that's what the founder loan is that's declared. And I mean, in, in terms, and I'm just pushing, pushing uh, back somewhat, um, in terms of seed legals company culture, it's fair to say, and I hope, I hope this comes across the right way. You have a phenomenal reputation, like in the industry with your own team. There's no chance my my team talk about me the way your team talk about you. Um, you know, there, there's a real like deep understanding, um, not just for the mission, but for who you are as a person and what drives you. H how do you go about scaling that culture as you guys grow? So that is a uh, real challenge, and of course. Uh, the problem every company faces uh, as it grows is that the founders become, you know, a smaller part of the, the, the oh. bigger team. And then when you start, you know, you, of course, the first people you hire, you interview them yourself. Uh, they work directly with the founders and it's easy to uh, take your mission and purpose and, and spread it across the team. But after a while, you have uh, people who manage teams and they begin hiring. So how do you uh, sort that? So, you know, first thing at Seed Legals, I still insist that I'm the, I interview everyone myself as the final interview. Um, it's rare that, you know, my, my team find people that I uh, don't, you know, think are the perfect fit. But, you know, I, I love people that are smart happy, enthusiastic, and, and also share the same mission. And it turns out uh, quite amazingly, and, and we're very privileged that a large number of people study law at places like UCL, Imperial, and, you know, LSE and so on, and then decide they never want to work for a law firm and they're called seed legals. And so there's this unbounded number of super smart people who want to do uh, something differently, which is which is great. So, so that's uh, thing number one. Thing number two, is uh, and by the way, I'm not professing to know the answer here or like uh, you know be awesome on this, but but these are the things I try to do in in our in my attempt to to, to do that. So thing number two is uh, really focus the customer the, the company on customer driven development. That's what I call it. So too often founders have this idea and they sort of sit in an ivory tower and they build shit and hope people are going to use it, but they never talk to the, the customer. And it's really, really important that not just the founders, but everyone in the company talk to the customer. And really one of the most important things uh, that I found is using uh, intercom web chat uh, on our website. And it transforms things from people go to our website and we sit here and we do development into it's an interactive conversation. So our uh, support team will talk to uh, customers on web chat uh, for help on things. Sometimes it's products, sometimes it's like, hey, my co-founders left, what to do? And then our, our first level support team uh, 
if they know the answer, great. But if they don't know the answer, they'll go to one of our Slack channels. And then everyone in the company that's relevant to that area will hop in and I'll hop in as needed as well. So in do you fact, have a lot of lawyers then? So, sorry yeah. to jump in. Do you, have, do you have a lot of lawyers actually in the company? Absolutely. We've got an in-house legal uh, team of experts, you know, fundraising, employment and other things, and they will hop in as needed. So in fact, the entire company is hubbed around, what are we going to do oh. to help people on the things they want to do? And then the next thing is, okay, that's great, but maybe it's completely unscalable and I have no business. It will just bleed to death financially. So my goal is every time we uh, have to spend time on something, can we enhance the platform to put ourselves out of business, so to speak? So it's, that's the software eats the world way of working. And I like to think you know, going back to what would a law firm do? Let's do the opposite. So great. Every time someone asks us something going, can we build this as a feature so that we never need to, as a human, answer it again? Maybe the chat bot will start suggesting an yeah. article, we'll write an article and so on. Sometimes the chat bot is an idiot and suggests really stupid things like, okay, detune that. But um uh, sorry. sorry, I've got to ask you because you just hit on something really interesting. Like we've seen this evolution of law firms, right? We, we've seen we've always like for the last 30, 40, 50 years, you've seen like the Clifford chances of this world, you know, um really like do dominate like the legal industry. And I think the one thing that, and this is purely um my own opinion, there's a lot of like unhappy lawyers out there. A lot of people, like as you said. They train to be a lawyer, they go to law school, and then they don't actually ever want to work as a lawyer. And we've seen this like almost like hybrid um, um, law firm like emerge over the last like 10 years or so, um, whereby, you know, the lawyers are able to like almost have a freelance model. They run their own business, but essentially they're doing it via a um via almost like a, a they've got like the back office staff etc i'm trying to i'm trying to describe it without actually dropping any names but um like is that the future are we going to see this hybrid model or where do you see the legal industry going because again like you said i see software playing a much much bigger role in the legal sector and i might be wrong but i think the role of lawyers and accountants and professionals in that sense is going to drastically change in, in over the next like 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and I, I can't see, because law firms are so expensive to run, I can't see there being that many traditional law firms in the future. Got it. Okay. So to help, uh, you know, the developers watching this who go, I really don't care about law firms, let me try and turn it into a more general answer. And here, what I like to think about is you've got an existing, you know, uh, industry, and they're thinking in a particular way. If you want to compete with it, you could either go the full, uh, you know, head-on uh, approach to take them on, or you could look to redefine the playing field. And if you can redefine the playing field into a way that they just, it's, it's a new world to them, they're not even thinking in that space, then you've got something different. So let me explain. So were I to be in the same playing field, it would be going great. Instead of paying a lawyer by the hour, when they want to take a phone call with you, you have an always on platform that's going to change that, which is very nice. But how can you go further? And the first thing to go further is let's transform the problem space. We're not talking about legal documents. We're talking about, in plain English, the key deal terms that we'd like to agree with each other. So when I, uh, let's say, I want to invest in your company, you're going to go, hey, Anthony, I'm looking to raise this amount. 
at this valuation. And how are you going to know that? Well, it's because you went to resources to find it. And then you're going to dial it in. And actually, I don't want to read a 100-page articles in Shell's agreement. I want to read a simple set of deal terms. So the next transformation is, you know, on-seed legals. Actually, yes, the documents all legal agreements, but you can flip the tab and look at the deal terms. And our hope is that in future, you know, nobody bothers, you know, on the second time you've got a document as an investor, you know what it's going to say, you're going to focus on the deal term. So transforming the problem space. But given that our viewers are in the blockchain space, can you go further? And of course, one of the worries as a founder, your first worry is, can you build something that anybody wants? You might build all the stuff and like nobody wants it. But if you are privileged and happen to be successful in that, the next thing that keeps you awake is that <clears throat> one day somebody's going to out disrupt you and you're going to wake up and go, shit, no one does funding rounds anymore. It's all on a blockchain and it's a new way of doing it. So how can you reinvent yourself constantly? And of course, I'm critically aware that today, literally 100% of people call seed legals go, I want to raise a funding round, but a small uh, number of people have started go, can I get a SAFT? And can I do tokens? So how can we go to the next step, which is you wouldn't even read the deal terms, maybe in the future, your AI bot, you'll tell it, these are the terms that I like and go hunt companies and find any number of companies that match my DNA. And here's the amount that I'm willing to bid. And uh, so, you know, can you start, in fact, moving the playing field so far away from the existing players that they can't even dream of being there? And of course, the problem is if you don't do that, then one day I'm going to wake up and go, bugger, someone else has built that because I couldn't reinvent myself. Um, and then, of course, you know, on a daily basis, you're really, really busy doing what you're doing and zero people are asking for something new. So it's quite hard to persuade yourself to put effort into something new that disrupts your own business. But you know, if you don't, in the same way you're disrupting someone else, someone's going to do it to you. So anyway, I think the last thing, by the way, just on, you know, to the, if I can uh, go back to the very, very kind thoughts on, you know, the, the wonderful Seed Legals team. The other thing is, uh, as part of every interview, I always joke with everyone who's in any way, you know, uh, getting to customer support or talking to customers, I explain that to me, there are three levels of customer support. Level one is, what would BT do? And basically, you should never, ever do that. And what BT would do is it would tell you a canned answer as if your customer was an idiot. Turn it off and turn it on again. So you should never, ever do that. What you want to do is before answering somebody, you want to go to level two, which is research their actual situation. So you can look in company's house. You can see their filings. You can look at the web chat. You can check the cap table. You can see the agreements that are created. And then you can answer directly for them. So maybe the customer says, you know, my, uh, uh, I, I, I want to do a share split. You know, how do I do that? The level one answer is, here's how to do a share split. The level two answer is, I've looked in company's house and your filings are actually incorrect. So you can do a share split, but before you do that, you need to fix it and here's what to do, which is great. But there's a level three and the level three is imagine you could go to the customer saying, here are the uh, issues I've identified and here are the actions to do. By the way, I've done those all for you. Uh, just sign here. 
And uh, also, I noticed your free trial was about to expire, so I've given you another 30 days on me. So if you're the customer, you're going, not only did they outthink what I had in mind, they had in, my, in mind, they're a step ahead of me, and you know they want to be awesome yeah. now of course it's a bit dangerous you can't change companies things before you know without uh, doing things so you know you wouldn't potentially actually make the change but you would go i can make that change for you if you like so if everyone is thinking in your business that way i think that's a great start sure thinking for the customer essentially exactly maybe. yeah and uh, just just to end um on, on on this conversation i mean the future for sea legals where are you guys going? Um, you know, is this going to be like global expansion very soon, or you know, what's what's your optimal plan? So great point. So I think firstly, um, you know, transfer-wise, now Wise brings you borderless banking. Imagine borderless legals that, uh, you know, today legals are highly localized. German law, French law, the language is different, the law is different, but actually. At a deal term level, if you want to hire somebody in Estonia or want to invest in a company, we're always talking the same thing. What's your valuation? How much are you going to invest? What percent of equity do I get? There's, there's a layer you can build above it that's global. And so my goal is a global layer that lets uh, you transform the way companies can raise investors, investment from investors anywhere, and investors can invest everywhere. So that's a global, I mean, as not in every country, but picking the top dozen and then, you know, going further from there. The next thing is, uh, we know that, you know, exactly as you mentioned earlier, the number one problem that, uh, you know, companies have after the legals are sorted is finding investors. So what can we do in that space? And the problem is that's an FCA regulated area, so we can't just enable it, but we're creating a set of tools like our pitch page that lets you pitch. And very shortly, there'll be real-time chat with your investors uh, on the Seabeagles platform. And then you can create a portfolio as an investor and follow companies. So in fact, creating a social network that creates that that links companies and investors and that will be the next transformative step and in due course you know what's going to happen ultimately is the legals will sort of disappear as a thing that's important we'll find each other the system will say there's a dna match uh, you'd love to invest we agree some terms and then magically legals are created which we I, I i shouldn't say barely read because we should read the legals but because everything's explained in the deal terms and you've seen it before you know you're happy to just uh you know conclude that agreement quickly and efficiently and when you're looking to sell shares one day that becomes automated so really turning our set of things that people do on paper into a platform experience anthony it's been a brilliant talking with you today thank you so much for your time and uh for any of you guys on Rayon who are actually um, in the process of building your tech startup, make sure you do actually check out Seed Legals. And thank, thank you. Again. And thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun and a set of great questions. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you.